We are going to get underway with this edition of Trucking Trends. Tim Ashoff, good morning. Good morning, Dave. Great to speak with you again. Well, let's uh, let's kind of talk about uh, what we're here to talk about, though, because you got a lot to uh, to uh, a lot of info to give us here this morning, uh, and we're going to talk about terminal facilities. You know, I, 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 and I don't know if it was an overstatement, <clears throat> excuse me, but over the course of my 50-year radio career in, in trucking, um, I've seen a, a sort of a, not maybe even close to a quantum shift in the way uh, trucking operations work, uh, the building of uh, the networks that uh, trucking companies have developed. I mean, you've always had terminals out there. You have to have a place, you know, for folks to, you know, work uh, beyond uh, driving the trucks themselves. Um, but um, you guys just opened a new terminal there in North Carolina. Might be a good place to kind of uh, pick apart some of the ins and outs and some of what drivers um, need and want and expect in, in the terminal uh, system these days. Sure, and I think you're right as far as uh, the evolution of the of the terminal systems, and we view them really as kind of driver support centers. Um, and the balance of what the drivers need and, and how we can efficiently and effectively provide that at the right places across the country, you know. We kind of built out our, our terminal network starting, you know, over 50 years ago with uh, a lot of really small terminals um, spread out really across the country, uh, maybe 50 to, to 75 drivers assigned to those terminals. And, and kind of what we found over time is drivers then needed services not just 8 to 5, but more, you know, 24-7. And, and to do that effective, effectively, uh, you almost had to have some bigger terminals then that could uh, you could find the people to stay over and, and work those third shifts and everything else. So then we kind of migrated a little bit more to having some, I'll call them, uh, super terminal, super centers there where we have um, certainly more of the 24-7 type services and fueling and other things. And so we, we located some of those in obviously major traffic lanes, big cities. Um, but uh, over time also realizes that, you know, we have a lot of drivers that have other needs. And, and certainly as parking is becoming a need, know that we have to have, um, you know, a network of other, uh, what we'll call them support terminals, smaller terminals out in between there. So we do have kind of a hybrid of, of some real big terminals that have all the services from a you know, shop to fuel, uh, driver's lounges, you know, the showers, the free laundry, uh, other facilities for the driver's fleet support, operation support, safety support, those types of things at those terminals. Uh, but now we've kind of you know, located more, I'll call them smaller uh, sub-terminals in between, and maybe you want to call them. And, and Statesville is an example of that. Uh, you know, we have a main terminal in, in Atlanta one in uh, Knoxville there, one up in the Harrisburg, PA area. And then kind of right in between, we've we've really grown a lot in the Carolinas with not only a, a driver base but a customer base and and had a small terminal up in Greensboro but knew we needed to provide more parking and amenities. So I uh, found that spot in Statesville there, just uh, at the intersections of uh, I-40 and I-77, and, and uh, was able to open a new terminal that provides that parking and, and showers and, and laundry and some fleet support and other things. Not a shop and fuel like we have at some other spots, but kind of filling in some holes in the network to have those driver services available, um, you know, almost uh, every night across the country for our drivers. You know, I like uh, the way he said uh, you consider these to be uh, driver service centers or DSCs, as we would like to call them. <laughs> but, uh, you mentioned Atlanta, and it's kind of funny because the original name for Atlanta before it became Atlanta was the Terminus. And the reason for that was 
That's where the railroad stopped. That's where the end of the track was, and that was the terminus. And terminal, um, wow, if you're a patient in the hospital, you certainly don't want to be terminal. Maybe we need to uh, reinvent the uh, wheel and start calling these places uh, by another name. <laughs> that that may be a good idea, you know, and, and certainly our, our drivers know that uh, uh, we want to provide them what they need out there and at the times uh, needed and, and have access to facilities 24-7 and, and not make it uh, a dead end, so to speak, a terminal in that way. Uh, so, yeah, maybe it, maybe the new word is driver support center for these places. Uh, we'll have to look at that. Driver support center. Yeah, I think I said driver service center, but, yeah, driver support center. I like that. Uh, so let's let's talk about that aspect of it, though. Uh, is the driver the obviously the driver is going to play into every decision you guys make every company makes uh, but is the driver like the main consideration when it comes to hey where do we need an, another center it really is um, because as i mentioned it really flows to uh, where do drivers need services at what times of day and what types of services do they need and then how does that lay out across you know where our freight flows and where the drivers live and and you know in, in statesville for example we have a lot of drivers that uh, as i mentioned that we've really grown in those uh, south carolina north carolina markets and and had a couple needs some of the drivers like to park their personal vehicles at the at the terminals so a good large secure lot for that as well as parking as they're coming through in the evening so we, we you know we obviously haul a lot of freight from Atlanta to the northeast to the Midwest, uh, freight down from the northeast down to the south, and, and so that was kind of an intersection there where drivers had a need for parking, the ability to access you know showers and, and laundry services and other amenities in the evenings, so uh, someplace other than you know a truck stop, uh, so to speak, where they can get their own spot and get all those amenities for free um, and really have a good place to relax, refresh, and, and be safe and ready to go uh, the next morning. So we do look at those locations of where our drivers live, where our, our traffic flows from a freight uh, standpoint, and then also from a customer standpoint. And again, that area of, of that Charlotte area and, and right around there has been a place we've really grown a lot of our freight base as well. So it's kind of a combination uh, of those things, but it's always uh, driver-centric. Is one of the, and you know, you mentioned the customer too, because the customer obviously has to play into all of this as well. So you have the driver, you have the customer, and then uh, you have, as uh, Lucy would point out, real estate. So real estate is, uh, it doesn't grow on trees, does it? Uh, and it's probably a challenge to uh, find a spot where you, A, are allowed to bring in a trucking facility, and B, where you have enough real estate to get the parking that you need. Because What's the point of, of building a terminal if you can't do what you need to do there? So it must be, a, is, is the real estate a, a component maybe the most challenging? You're absolutely right on that. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because right here, for example, we, we had been working um, really over three years to get the, the, the Statesville Terminal purchased and, and up and running. And, wow. and what we found, not only in, in that kind of Charlotte area, uh, but also across the country is uh, you find an ideal location that you, works great for your drivers, and then you find that, well, for some reason, the, the local folks around there, they don't want trucking. Uh, they don't want to have a property, might be a perfect piece of property, might be zoned for commercial, but they don't want to zone it for trucking. And so we've had many of those challenges across the country, and often that's the driver as to what takes a lot longer and then also, you know, really does increase the cost overall. And, uh, you know, we have to balance out 
location with um, wanting to be good neighbors and and you know we really do work hard to be good neighbors we, we like to build nice facilities um, with good street appeal um, and you know be a good part of that community um, where we go uh, and so but it's often sometimes difficult to convince people that you know trucking is essential to them it's essential to their communities uh, we are good neighbors uh, drivers out there are good quality people uh, and really um, while they may only be coming in and out of your community they're essential to your community and I guess a, a fourth component and I don't want to make too much of this and 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 I don't mean politics for the sake of politics. Politics plays into it because if it takes three years to do something, chances are the guy you started talking to has not been reelected. <laughs> if he's if it's a political <laughs> body or a board of directors or a city council or something. So uh, do you have to kind of go back to square one on occasion? Yeah, you do. Uh, we and we've had that go both ways. We we've had a situation where we were uh, I had a piece of property and and working to build a new terminal and and uh, all of a sudden the members of a, uh, a local board there decided they they didn't want it and then elections came and the new board members did so it works worked in our favor uh, in that instance so it, it does go both ways and and you know I, I guess they say as in life timing is everything um, but you know I think the key is with with whoever it may be um, board members mayors or otherwise is, is helping them understand the value of, of trucking um, again to their community to the whole country and you know we've talked about in the past that that COVID has helped raise people's awareness of the value of, of trucking, and certainly all of your listeners know that value. Um, so we kind of view it as our job as we're going into these communities um, to to help make the awareness of of the importance of, of what our drivers are doing each and every day out there, and really overall how safe the industry is. Because uh, you know usually when you go in the community, it's about they're concerned about you know environmental impacts and safety impacts, and the trucking industry really you know has always been focused on safety as you know and certainly from an environmental standpoint over the last you know 20 years we've made great great strides and uh you know we we found in, in communities that our uh, environmental impact is generally much less than what what people uh, don't understand is going around around the corner and what they can see in a, consider a clean business so a lot of education goes into these uh these steps we take when we build facilities Indeed, indeed. Hey, we're going to uh, take a real quick break right here, Tim. Uh, when we come back, I want to kind of go back a bit and talk about the development of the uh, terminal system. We'll still call them terminals here this morning. Um, and how communication uh, has changed the operations at a given terminal. Because I think back in the olden days, terminals were kind of almost independent because you know, the only way to to connect with the home office, say like you guys in Lincoln there, would be by telephone the way a driver would have to stop at a rest area or someplace and pick up a phone. Uh, so uh, going back uh, to the earlier days, uh, like you guys started about 50 years ago with the, uh, the, the terminal idea, um, in the earlier days of the terminal system, were they pretty much almost independent of the home office and has that changed to, to a great degree? Yeah, we've had a, a real life cycle on that too. To yeah, to your point, in the earlier days, um, we had we had kind of two fleets. Always kind of a drivers that we called ran the national fleet across the whole country, and and those drivers we typically still remained kind of centrally dispatched customer service and things out of our headquarters here in Lincoln. But then we'd set up these terminals with regional fleets, and and essentially everything would happen for those regional fleets out of there. 
and what we were found is is we were uh, we were not working very well uh, together um, because you know you can share loads, you can share drivers between national and regional fleets at times, but being separated like that um, didn't work so well. So we didn't have the communication and technology we had. Uh, we have now, so we actually ended up moving all those regional fleet operations into Lincoln, all into headquarters here, so we all could work together from an operational and dispatch perspective to help the driver uh, do better. Well, now that technology is involved with our our uh, operating systems as well as communication, which you mentioned, which is key, uh, we've actually moved a lot of those uh, regional operations back out into our terminals, uh, but they work seamlessly now with the uh, the operations folks here in Lincoln and provide the best of both worlds for our drivers. And, you know, that is because of uh, you know, basically what we're able to do, um, you know, over the internet with our, our phone system, our operating system, video conferencing, and, and then, you know, how we could communicate with drivers so much more effectively and timely now than you could, you know, just 20 years ago. Wow. So in a sense, and not to be overstating this, but it's almost like uh, you are now finally realizing the full realization of the potential of the terminal system and, and, and basically reaping the full potential of the of the uh of the model yeah absolutely you know to to be able to have a view for a, a driver whether they're out of the uh, you know atlanta terminal or the tennessee terminal or or ohio terminal and, and have availability and access to to you know whatever freight we have out there that best fits their needs and to have the support from you know whether they're normally supported out of say indianapolis but uh that person may be away on lunch and, and we need somebody else to pick up and, and it could be somebody here in Lincoln then that picks up and, and helps them so we can be really effective and timely in, in supporting all of our drivers' needs through the whole network kind of intertwined now uh, because of the communication systems and technology we have. So yeah, we keep to evolve every day and, and again with that goal of always uh, being that driver support system, uh, it, no matter where the driver may be, uh, we'll support them. Gives, gives everybody a lot more freedom, a lot more breathing room. You're not waiting for the phone to ring or hoping the phone doesn't ring at any given moment, right? That's right. Yeah, but yeah. it's really made us more one big team across the whole country uh, versus, as you mentioned, maybe you had uh, – you know, you may have had the, the, the terminal team in, in Atlanta, the terminal team in Harrisburg, the terminal team in Salt Lake City. Uh, you know, now we're more of a one big team across the country. No matter where the driver's at, uh, we'll have support for you. Wow, that's incredible. That That's incredible. What, what a, That is a leap. Uh, you know, it really is. Um, I wanted to save a little more time for this. But, uh, you know, we really, I really got, I was interested in what you had to say there. Uh, but uh, kind of squeeze in a little bit of what you're seeing now. Um, as uh, the freight outlook, we're, we're in midsummer here. Uh, what are you guys at Crete and Schaefer looking at for the balance of the year, or can you even go that far out now? You know, I, I think we're, we're feeling more comfortable we can go that far out, uh, primarily because of the customers we have. And we have, as we've talked about, uh, we've got a lot of the blue chip consumer package good customers, and certainly this pandemic has made their business strong. But in talking with them, they are so depleted on on their inventory and backed up in production that they feel pretty safe to say that uh, they're going to be busy through January just to even catch up. Uh, and I, I think that's a good sign then then for us. And, and as I as we know, other parts of the industry, you know, on the hunt side, we've got some flatbed, you know, and the housing market being strong has certainly helped that flatbed world, uh, that open deck world. And that looks like that's not going to slow down uh, anytime here soon with interest rates where there are. Uh, I'd say the one concern is, is you know, consumer spending has been driving this, 
um, if there is a, you know, a little uh, hiccup here and whether it's uh, um, we don't get some continued support to consumers out there through government aid or, or we don't uh, get COVID to go away soon, that, that could have an overall impact. So, so right now I'd say I'm, I'm optimistic for the next you know, four or five months, um, but we'll see, we'll see from there. To be announced, Tim, thank you so much. As always, Tim, fascinating discussion. Tim Ashoff, everybody, that's going to wrap up this edition of Trucking Trends.